So the meditation helps us arrive here because it helps us settle in a little bit more. You might have noticed the mind can attend to other things. <laughs> we just keep bringing it back, coming back here. And the whole day really is like that. We just keep bringing ourselves back, back to this present moment settling more fully into being here and then letting ourselves be touched by the teachings, the practices, by the space, the people. Just keep coming more and more into this sense of presence being here. So I'm going to talk for just a little while and want to introduce this theme of compassion so that we have a fairly good sense of what it is that we're opening to. Because compassion already lives within us. It already lives in our heart. It's just that sometimes we're not so aware, we we get distracted, or we forget. So much of the teachings are really reminding us It's really just reminding us of who we are and what's possible for us as human beings. I think it's really just a matter of remembering. You know, it's it's not that we learn anything new or we change or become something that we're not and we have to become somebody different. We're just remembering who we really are. And that that true expression of who we are. It manifests in many, many different ways, and one of the ways is compassion. So I want to talk a little bit about what that is. Um, In these teachings, it's called karuna. That's the Sanskrit word, karuna, which is a beautiful word. And in a simple way, it's really the natural expression of an open heart. You know, the heart opens in many ways, but it's, a, it's one of the natural expressions of the open heart. But particularly when the heart is turned towards the suffering aspect or some painful aspect of life. And so, so when we allow the attention, we allow the awareness to turn, we can begin to touch into that, the compassionate heart. And, and, and be touched in ways that maybe we wouldn't ordinarily be able to be. And as we're touched, there's also released a wish for that pain to end. That's what what happens, is that when we truly feel the compassion and we're in touch with the pain that is present, we want it to end. That's the beautiful thing about the heart. We don't want it to continue. And so that can bring us into some kind of responsiveness where we engage in bringing an end to that pain, to that suffering. And so that's a, it's, a, it's a natural movement of the heart. And when we start to feel it, it's a felt sense. It's, it's not abstract. It's not a mental idea. It's not something we intellectualize. It's we feel it. You can feel the sensations. It's like a quivering the heart, the heart in the area we call the heart, um, this place near the physical heart, but it's an energy center called the heart, the heart center. And it actually, there's a, a quivering. 
right? And 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 then and a tenderness. We actually feel tender. Sometimes, sometimes we may even feel an ache. You know, there's actually like a physical ache in the heart. Ah, oh, pains me, right? Pains me. We can feel it, and, and we put our hand here, right? It's here. And we can feel it as a tenderness or even a sorrow, you know, in response to what it is that we're witnessing or what it is that we're seeing it. And it arises only when there is a shift away from our self-centered desires and attachments, when we're not so caught up in the me and what I, what I want, what I need, when we're not so fixed around our ideas and our beliefs about how things should be. I want things to be like this, and why aren't they like that? Which is really just coming from our beliefs and our ideas. And so, in a way, the compassion blends with wisdom. Because wisdom allows us just to look and see how are are things, what's happening, what's going on, in a true and objective way. We see reality as it is. And this is the, we also call it the wisdom heart. The open heart is the wisdom heart. And when I'm talking about the heart, it's really what, what we're happening. When, when, when we drop out of our self-centered ideas, which is really mind, mental, it's the head. We're up here. And, and as we start to get more in tune with our bodies we can actually feel how the energy moves in our body. And, and you know the feeling of the head being tight and dense and like, like tight around the eyes and contracted. There's a lot of mental energy that we carry there along with the fears and the hopes and the desires. And, and, and all that as through the meditation and through these practices that starts to relax and release and we actually drop down the attention and the energy drops down into the heart area. And we're moving more from there. In the Buddhist teachings, it's actually called, the word for that is, is chitta. And it's a, it means heart-mind, where the mind is more in the heart. So heart-mind. And so as we awaken, as we become more open and more free, we are actually operating more from this part of our body. It's called the heart-mind. So it's actually an energetic shift. It's one of the things I'm I'm talking about it now because perhaps as we go through the day-to-day, the day-to-day, we may start to feel that a little bit more. We're going to be doing some walking meditation and, you know, different things in here, and you you may start to feel that more uh, moving in this part of your body. It's almost as if we relocate ourselves. We're finding ourselves in a different way. We sometimes call it heartfulness, right? Heartfulness. We say mindfulness, right? Mindfulness, but mindfulness, when it's awakened, is heartfulness. Same thing. Or we can talk about bodyfulness, right? Mindfulness, heartfulness, bodyfulness. When the awareness, when the uh, uh, a wakeful energy starts to move more through our whole being. And this is what awakens us to a deeper knowing, to a wise knowing. It's only when we're really connected here can we be in touch with the present moment and reality as it is. Otherwise, we're, we're in our ideas, we're in our 
our, our beliefs, our, our fixed uh, opinions and how we think things should be. But coming more and more into the present moment and attending, responding to the way things are. We even drop out of our ideas about right and wrong. We get so caught in this idea of right and wrong and then our expectations and our rules about how things should be. This is a very different way of being. It's a wisdom, a heart wisdom that knows how to respond in this moment to this situation, the way this situation is, which is going to be different than it was a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, ten years ago. How is it now? This is the responsiveness that comes through compassion, through the direct contact with what's going on. And when we drop into the the heart, we start to feel the softer side of the feelings. The mind can produce very harsh or or hard feelings, anger or rage or um, uh, fear. You know, can be so. So as we as we drop a little bit deeper, we start to feel the softness of the heart, the tenderness, sorrow, even sorrow in the face of some of the things we witness. If we feel it in the heart, it's it's very tender. That that pain kind of it's um, it's a different kind of suffering than the kind of suffering we talk about. It's a it's more of our human condition. It's the, the way we are as humans together. We, when, we're, when we're joining together and we're, t- we're being together, we feel that tenderness in the heart. Sometimes it's called the moisturizer in the heart. Right? It brings about this sense of more intimacy and a profound connection with the way things are. And we want this. It's like that we want this. As Shakti was beginning today, you know, just even turning a little bit and looking at each other just brings us into a little bit more connection. We're not so alone. You know, the mind, our minds can make us feel like we're so alone, isolated, separated. But I love how Shakti said, you know, just you're sitting there and then somebody's bright face comes into being and it just, things shift. Oh, there's somebody there. I'm not alone. There's this uh, Korean uh, teacher, abbess, uh, named um, Young Song Sunim, uh, who uh, runs a Korean seminary for 300 Buddhist nuns. And I found this, I love something that she said. Uh, first of all, the Korean word for compassion is jabi. And ja means love, and bi means to commiserate or to be sad with, right? And, and it's always compounded with the word great, great compassion. So to, to, com- to love and to be sad with. And she says, um, uh, she talks about this sadness or, uh, or this tenderness. She says, great sadness means that when someone falls into a lot of suffering, we spend much energy to get them out of it. It also means that when sentient beings are sad, we are sad with them. When they cry, we also cry. Great love means that when sentient beings are happy, we are happy with them. Being sad together, being happy together, this is great compassion. 
Great love means that we give great happiness. Great sadness means that we deliver people from their suffering, all beings from their suffering. It's just, it's as simple as that. We we're happy together, we're sad together. You know, but I think this, this quality of being sad together, you know, there's been a kind of a, 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 a taboo somehow. You know, it's like not okay to be sad or it's not okay to express some of our pain or, or our difficulty. You know, so when we're sad together, right? we know that. We know how lovely that can be when we're sharing those kinds of things together. And true compassion is always grounded in equanimity, in this uh, grounded non-reactivity. This is true compassion, because that's the wisdom. Equanimity is the true wisdom that is in relationship to the way things are. Equanimity in compassion sees that. No matter how much I might wish for this suffering to end, it will always be an intrinsic part of our existence. It will always be an intrinsic part of our existence. As Shakti was mentioning, we have birth, aging, sickness, and death. There is no way out of that. Right? As much as I might wish for that to be otherwise, how much I want that to end, it's always going to be there. And as we start to feel into this truth, we, we, we start to sense that we're all alike. We're all alike. We can start to feel a kind of sense of solidarity, a unified sense of our humanity. And that is what we need. (laughs) That's what's going to bring us together when we start to really recognize that we're all alike in this vulnerability. Equanimity in compassion says that all beings face the potential for suffering, for loss, no matter what their outer appearance is. You know, we can get so tricked by what we see. Oh, they've really got it made. You know, they're, they're immune from any kind of pain. They're immune from any kind of suffering. You know, it's just me, right? I'm the one. I, I'm the one who's got the, uh, who picked the, the, the bad, whatever that expression is, <laughs> the short straw, Right? And we just we project all those those images and ideas onto other people as if they're invulnerable some way. I remember the first time I was doing um, long retreats, longer uh, silent retreats, and on those retreats we have small groups, and maybe groups of eight people, and we would come into the small group with a teacher and talk about what was happening for us on retreat. And sometimes it was <clears throat> quite difficult. And I remember how it was such an eye-opener that I wasn't the only one having difficulty. You know, I was, I, was, I was in my, you know, probably my late 20s, early 30s, and I honestly thought in those days that it was all my fault. That if I was feeling bad or wounded or pain in some way, it, I had to figure out how to get out of it because it was my responsibility and, and usually, and everybody else was okay but me. <laughs> and it was such a strong sense of, of a not understanding this human condition at all. And it was really those early groups and listening <clears throat> to other people's experiences that really woke me up. And it's like, oh yeah, 
other people have these experiences too. Other people go through these things too. And that's that sharing, when we start to share, when we start to talk together, when we start to commiserate, we find out what the truth of this existence is like. And we, we begin to, that sense of separation, that self and other, it starts to soften. It's not so, so so solid, not so separate. We, we join together. We come together. We bear witness together. Love this word of bearing witness. It's really what we're doing. I mean, it's, it's really happening now in this age with everything kind of blasting open on the Internet and the social media and finding out, you know, things we've never found out about, you know, the, the police killings, the, 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 the really horrendous kinds of things that are going on, the wars, the, the corruption, you know. It's like, you know, we join together. We join together to make a difference. Another teacher of mine, Cynthia Bourgeau, she says, Step up and say, I am willing to hold a piece of that suffering in my own life, with my own pain. When there is a sense we are, we are not alone, that we are accompanied in our pain, it's easier. When we're accompanied in our pain, it's easier. We live in this us-and-them culture with so much bias and discrimination against race and nationality and sexual and gender orientation and ageism and uh, religious ideologies and bias and political stances and, you know, all the things that if we go out to dinner with friends, we have to be very, or family, we have to be very careful what we talk about (laughs) or we're going to start alienating, right, people that, you know, we feel close to or we love. You know, somebody was just telling me that they had a family reunion you know, and she said, and I went there knowing I, I was going to keep all my political ideas to myself. I wasn't going to open my mouth because I know who I'm with and we're just all going to get into a lot of trouble together. You know, there's just so much of that, that kind of fixation. You know, my teacher, one of my teachers, Richard Rohr, says, there is a falling apart of the systems where we have placed our trust I love that. A falling apart of the systems where we have placed our trust. And it takes courage to awaken to my own humanity, you know, and the humanity uh, of this uh, world, rather than trying so hard to fix it, right? To keep the world from cracking. Trying so hard to keep this world from cracking. And he asks, can I stay present and loving as it cracks? <laughs> wow, that's, a, that's an invitation. Can I stay present and loving as it cracks? Because it's going to crack. You know, it, there's no, it's, gonna cra- it's cracking and it's going to keep cracking. Can I remember that when I'm aware, everything comes alive to remind me who I am and how I belong in the family of things? If I stay awake, if I stay aware, if I stay connected, I find my place of belonging. So here we do practices. You know, we come to these kinds of places, we come to our sacred places, and we practice. And one of the things that we hope that we can remember is to use 
all of our difficulties to enhance our waking up, to allow the pain in. Because this is what happens. We close off, we shut down, we push it away. We're going to talk a little bit more about the skillful way of working with that. But as we allow it in, in little, you know, not all, you know, little by little by little, this is what liberates our suffering into wisdom, into selflessness and to compassion. This is the doorway. Joanna Macy, one of our great elder teachers, says that, she calls it the tantric flip. You know, being with pain, one awakens. Being with pain, one awakens. It's it's totally counterintuitive. You know, we think we can go around it or, or pretend it's not there somehow. Which makes this path heroic. It actually takes tremendous courage it's called the heroic path. It's sometimes, you know, sometimes um, in Buddhism it's referred to as the bodhisattva path. And bodhisattva is sometimes translated as the courage to awaken. Because courage, it takes courage to face this difficulty, face the pain. And this is what makes for a great practitioner. This is what makes us a great spiritual warrior, or however we want to think about that. So the things we'll be working with today, the practices we'll be working with, one is, if there is a a moment where there's some some pain of some sort, to acknowledge that, to, to, sometimes we just put the hand on the heart, this is a moment of suffering, this is a moment of pain. So, you know, that, that, that we're already, the compassion is awakened in that moment. Because we're bringing awareness, we're bringing love, we're, the compassion awakens. That's so, it's just that simple. This is a moment of suffering. This is a moment of pain. And then where do I feel it? Where, where is it living in me? Where is it actually occurring? How do I know that? There's, we know that. How do we know that? Feeling, where is it living? Where do we feel it? And the second step to the reflection this is part of life. I'm not alone in this. We share this pain. This is shared. I'm not alone in this. Right? So that so that wisdom that brings in the equanimity. Right? This is part of life. And then the third asking the question, can I open to this? Just, what is that like in my body? You know, just ah, sometimes taking that breath, just kind of moving the shoulders, just kind of maybe closing the eyes, sensing the body. You know, can I open to this a little, even a little bit, just a little bit? Can I allow my heart to be touched, to feel the tenderness, to feel the tenderness of my heart breaking? My my sister was has been with me. She's actually here today, and um, she went to Africa in January and, and saw uh, participated in this orphanage where they bring in mostly um, elephants that get their mothers are sep- separated from their mothers in the wild, and also different animals. And they have a whole team. David Sheldrick, um, I'm doing amazing work. Uh, protecting the, the animals in the, in, the, uh, in the wild. 
And so we looked at a couple of videos. She wanted me to see a couple of videos, and we watched this one of this baby, little baby elephant that got separated from its mother, and and just the little baby elephant. You know, they're only about this big, you know, just about, you know, <laughs> two feet. And it's just stranded. It was stranded in this little mud hole. It couldn't get out. The mother was right there. And um, just there wasn't any way to get that. And then some other wild Animals were starting to come around, and the whole. But the, somebody was there filming it, so they were already on it. And then the helicopter comes, lands. All the air, the wind is blowing. The little baby elephants' ears are flapping, and and the whole team, about eight guys, rush out, flip the baby out of the hole, rush back into the helicopter, take off, and then the mother comes back out of the woods, and they connect and go off. And, I, and I'm saying, I don't know if I can watch this. You know, it's sort of, it's so painful to watch when, though it's, and it's, it, these are sentient beings, these beautiful, intelligent beings. And of course, it's, it's also happening to all of us as humans. And just that, that sense of my heart breaking, you know, and letting that happen, feeling, feeling the tenderness in my heart. Because it's real. Right? It's real. It's happening every minute, every moment, every, every hour. So it's this connection with the heart of kindness that allows for a loving response. It allows for the love. It's not that that's it. We just feel the heart. It allows for the, the heart moves into wanting to relieve the pain. We want that to end. We want it to change. And that brings us into the wise action with, with our awareness, with our whole being, not just with our ideas, our fixed ideas and attachments and desires. And this is the quality of our heart that is the natural expression of freedom, natural expression of awake, awakening, of enlightenment, of enlightened response. And as this connection grows, so does our sensitivity, our respect, and our care for all beings everywhere. The heart awakens. So this is, this is what I wanted to offer today as our introduction and um, sort of to help us begin on this journey together today. So, so much is this dropping. It's kind of what am I... My mantra words, you know, just dropping, dropping, dropping. You know, let the awareness, let the attention come more fully into the body, into the breath, into the ground, into the feet, into the hands and the arms. Ah, And that's why the breath is such a wonderful resource for us because that one breath, that out breath, just, ah, you know, the shoulders start to relax and the chest starts to open a little more and the belly softens and a little bit more in our bodies. We're more here, we're more present. Right? So if there's nothing else that we gain today or we learn today, you know, that would take us a long way. We, we, that would carry us a long way. It's coming more and more into our bodies and being here, being present. 